There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I posted on my story the other day a job description. Mm. There's a job listing for like a... Let me actually find it because... I thought it was very interesting. Yeah. So everyone thinking we're making heaps of progress. So basically, <laughs> um, on the 22nd of June in 2020, a Melbourne-based um, care service um, put up a job listing. And I'm presuming they do... It's in the disability sector, so someone who can like care and provide care for somebody who is disabled. And there's a range of what can be considered. It could be like amputees, people with like uh, mental health issues or people who are uh, neurotypical, ton of things. Anyway. Yeah. But basically the post said that, you know, the ideal fit for this role is someone who has two or more years experience working in the disability industry with clients with autism. You must be reliable, very confident and trustworthy. We seek mature support workers, ideally aged 40 years and over. So, you know, that's fine. I think it's it narrows the pool down, but you need what you need. Yeah. Then they said <laughs> the very next line, paragraph two in this job listing, is we request no dark-skinned Indian or African applicants apply for this role as per client request. So I post it. Um, uh, so when I posted it, the majority of the comments were like, oh, you know what happens? Like, old people are racist. I'm like, this isn't about old people. It's about autistic people, but that's fine. I'm not here to argue. And I kind of just ignored the rest of the comments because it's either half, half of the people saying, like, this is so terrible. Like, I can't believe this is happening, like, in, you know, 2020, which is, like, shame on you. <laughs> like, of course this is happening. Yeah, We've made very little progress between last week with the black squares and this week with job posting, specifically requesting no dark-skinned people. Um, And then I was... And then the other half were like, yeah, fuck this shit, of course. So then I I remember jumping on Facebook and saw this guy posted on Facebook. um, And this is just, like, some, like, random, like, white guy I know who also works in the Australian music industry. And he was kind of like, you know what the fuck is this a job ad with a melanin requirement because racism was such a long time ago right just kind of like you know making a mockery of the post and being like this is fucking ridiculous if you think racism has gone anywhere yeah and then people were like um so people were like some are like you know yeah this is so silly there should be a law in place to stop discrimination but what i find to be the most interesting is the amount of people breaking their back to make it make sense People are saying, Why? who knows? We need more context. Maybe the client is an absolute head case from war or just has PTSD. What the fuck? What? <laughs> Wait, why are you justifying? Wait, why are you bending huh? over backwards to justify what? white supremacists? <laughs> like, why do we have to reach all the way to PTSD and war? <laughs> They'll never do this for black people too. Like, if I stole uh? a Skittle, if I saw one Skittle... <laughs> 
They'd be like, yeah, it's because she's Kill a her. war criminal. She's a black monkey ass war criminal yeah. ass psychopathic bitch. No house training. Yeah. Like, jungle woman. <laughs> um, and then people were like, you know, yeah, this type of request is unfortunately, it pops up regularly in aged care. Um, someone's like, haha, who wants to join a cute care for a racist? Like, people are kind of saying, like, within an industry that's so under-resourced, people already don't want to work with, with in this industry at all. And I want to put caveats as to who can and can't work. And my mum works in aged care, and she always tells me fucking stories. She thinks she's like, she, how do I explain it? She'll always tell me stories of, like, racist people with, like, disabilities, uh, mental health issues, or old people who treat her poorly, and then after wow. weeks and weeks of her coming back and being diligent and like caring for them going above and beyond, they suddenly like her. And that's like a personal win, you know? And I'm just like, obviously I'm not going to rain in her parade and say like, that shit's fucked, mom. Yeah. Because she fucking loves helping people who are like, you know, the ones that society's left behind. She loves that shit. It's her purpose, she says. But it's like for her to not see how somebody who isn't black would have to go through that. And she's just like, yeah, it's part of the experience, right? This is what you have to do. Old people are just old people, right? No, no, this is fucked up. And then somebody is like, oh, you know, you never know. It might be more innocent than that. You know, we had an autistic boy at one school who had a bad experience with an African aide and therefore had a bee in his bonnet. Okay, sure. But then I had a bad experience with a white person. Now I'm going to put, don't put white people, like no white people can book me for gigs. It doesn't make sense because all it takes is for you to flip the scenarios around and say, well, what would you say if this said, you know, this person can't hire, we won't hire white people. I'm so tempted to make an ad for a fake company and say, yep, so-and-so-and-so, but we just, we request no, no white no people. No white, no Caucasian Or anybody yeah. with any lineage from the UK. <laughs> like, Can you what imagine? Would should we do it? Should we do it? I think we should do it. Honestly. I don't know. I just, wanna <laughs> I just want to see. <laughs> I just want to wow. see. I just want to see. And this thread in particular has so many replies to it. I mean, that comment, the one about how it can be more innocent than that. And everyone's like, but... Even if it is, don't you think you'd provide more context if it was as innocent as you claim? This particular um, I just don't understand. X, Y, and Z, so on and so forth. But you've blanketly ruled out like people who are honestly going to be quite equipped from the job. Because why wouldn't you be? If you are in, if you fit the requirement of being over forty, having more than two years' experience of working with autistic people. Why wouldn't you think it's appropriate mm. to apply for the job now to rule out like a majority of your industry? Because the, like a vast majority of carers are going to be minorities. Like, Obviously. So now you're saying, mm, but actually like, I just think it's super interesting. And wow. <laughs> I think Were these people justifying in your DMs or was this like strangers? No, no, no. This is, this is on the thread of somebody else's post. Wow. People know not to come to me with that shit. I'm not doing <laughs> that. Um, I just hit that block. Somebody messaged me the other day and was like, hey, like, I love you. My friend said that she can't see her page. And I think you might have blocked her. I'm like, if I did, it was for a good reason. Wow. I love it. <laughs> Tell her I said, hey. <laughs> um, but yes, I think it's so interesting that the lengths people are going through to muddy, clear, concise language. 
Like, wow. if there needed to be more context as to why these these people didn't want to hire someone who was Indian or African, they would it have would said be so. There. Yeah, but they said with their it full chest, there. we don't want monkey ass coons. <laughs> like that's what they said. What they said. Like they said what they said. I know what would say. And it's like it's a job description. It's not a tweet. It's not one forty two eighty characters. Also, yeah, have yeah. Space. It's all the information that's like needed. To, to let you know whether or not you're eligible to apply for the role is in the description. Wow. So what they should have said is, first line, we request no dark-skinned people. Second line, you need to be over the age of 40. Because that's the priority, right? Anyway. Wow. Let wow. me make this fake fucking post. <laughs> Please make it, because I actually just, I literally want to see. <laughs> I need to then, know. I need it to go viral. And see Honestly. what kind of energy. No, people, people no, people will lose their mind. Like people will send death threats. I'm just gonna write thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This feels like something a YouTuber would do, and I feel like I'm aligned with it. But anyway, that was like my little mini rant because people you know, really are out here thinking racism is over. Absolutely. And I was having a conversation the other day where like, because what's been happening over the, the past three weeks or so is that publications, uh, like uh, magazines and, and online blogs, <clears throat> broadcasters, like TV stations, radio stations, have been messaging me incessantly to come and speak about racism Race, yeah. on their platform. Of course. Um, whether it be trying to check racial biases, trying to put in a framework to understand, you know, white supremacy and white guilt, all these things. And to every single one, I've said no. Because it's not for me. Yeah. And I think it's very interesting that, like, these requests don't come with a check. That's... It's not I was literally saying, about to say. I was hey, about I to respect say. your time and I respect that you're in a position to educate. Here's X amount of dollars. <laughs> Could you please write for me? Could you please come on and educate? Yeah. What is this fucking free work, you know? That's, so that is another thing. person... Exactly. To every person, I have to respond with a variation of, I'm exhausted from trying to educate people. I've been talking about these things for months. Oh if you're my really God. interested, you. you can just go, here are some references that you can like read and cite and quote me. No, Period. people are so also- entitled to black women's <laughs> labor. It's disgusting. Not interested. And I think um, also what I found is that there's always a, a fast... Um, timeline associate a deadline we need this by tomorrow the nerve the audacity so there's no payment you're asking me to exhaust myself how is this not about my own experiences or others experiences (laughs) you're asking me to bear the brunt of what's going to be a majority racist audience who's going to feel attacked by this information and then you're going to tell me you need me to do this in a day two days three days who is this for it's just slavery like this, this is what I mean. Like, just say you want slavery with your full, full chest. Yeah, I've I've noticed that too. And I'm not someone that magazines reach out to generally. But suddenly, out of the blue, like, now they care. And it's interesting because this one, I just ignored. But there's this one magazine that I just ignored. And... They've come back to be like, hey, I'm just following up on my previous email. Like, wow, you even have the nerve to follow up multiple times. It's like, let it go. And like, that's how entitled you are to my slavery. Wow. (laughs) A lot of the feedback about the educational process um, 
for the topic of racism is that, you know, like you have to hold space, you have to educate. These these all things that people don't have to do. Um, mm, and yeah. I don't think people are in the wrong for asking, but the approach doesn't add up. And the intent and the impact, nothing is considered. Nothing. What I see when brands are running for, you know, my insight is that you're trying to capitalize. Yeah. You to be quick, what, because <laughs> it's trendy to care about racism, you want those quick clicks, huh? Because, like, realistically, this is an ongoing, lifelong issue. It can wait a week. It can wait three weeks yeah you know yeah like, yeah what you should be doing if you're inviting people to share their trauma with you so you can get paid to do it First is at pay least them. provide some infrastructure that they, they can do so comfortably mm. but another thing that's not considered is like their audience so th- the magazine that's reaching out to you has a predominantly white audience of dumb bitches so now they're gonna come for you when you just tell it like it is exactly and they provided zero and infrastructure no for that, for that. There's none of that. They're going to come to my page, be like, this is that fucking bitch who's a Literally. It's all of that. And, and then you're going to be abused though, and for what? And I was talking to a friend of mine and asked if, if she was getting similar requests because she exists in that, like, you know, black of opinion have a space. Yeah. Um, and she was saying no. And we were having a back and forth about how to approach it. I'm like, I'm not going to do any of this free labor shit. I'm not going to tell them how to best approach people. I'm not going to tell them what they should and shouldn't do because it takes no time to figure it out. Like you're not even thinking. Imagine if someone, if, imagine if it was like, you know, white ribbon day or something. And, you know, or imagine if suddenly there was this whole um, media uproaring about, um, domestic violence let's say let's say that's it and you go to someone who's just gone on her facebook and said that she's left an abusive relationship she's in hospital getting stitched up and you say hey can you quickly tell us about science to look out for we need this by tomorrow thank you can you imagine you know how to suddenly you know that your approach matters right suddenly you know that you need to come through with tact and patience and you need to be more considered and you can't just go ask somebody to tell them what it's like to get bashed or to be in in a situation where you feel as though you're fearing for your life yeah suddenly you can put that together real easy but about racism, it's like, no, it's just like a fun topic, lighthearted. <laughs> it's just not top line, top line, nothing too deep, nothing too deep. Like, <laughs> it's all deep. <laughs> no, but this is what I was saying about how for white people, blackness is synonymous with suffering and pain. Like, they just don't consider at all how, like, you might be emotionally affected. Like, racism, I think, is just such a... And I also blame the internet for this because... The way that, like, we've even memefied Breonna Taylor, the way we just turn everything into just memes and jokes, like, we turn Black Death into memes. Did you see Ducky Thoughts? I think I'm saying her last name wrong. But did you see her Twitter or her tweet where she just basically posted a picture of herself and the caption was like, anyway, Breonna Taylor. And it's just, like, the way that, like, Black Death is just minimized and reduced to memes just really makes everyone including white people just think that like oh no like suffering is truly just irredeemable from blackness like it's just inseparable the two are synonyms like why would we consider their pain at all if to be black is to be in pain like that's truly just how they see it and it's, mm-hmm. yeah, wow, it's wild. It's all very interesting. And, like, I'm just so grateful that we have a backlog of these conversations so people can really just, like, yeah. jump back yeah. um, and speak about it. 
somebody like some amazing listener um posted a screenshot of like them listening to this episode or an episode and said you know like it's a hard listen and you're going to be offended but it's so necessary and i'm like exactly yeah where else are you going to go to get this insight on race i know you don't have any black friends you don't (laughs) so let's not even (laughs) pretend that you have a black friend to lean on who's going to be able to provide you nuance and tact and empathy and resources and facts and cite things it's not happening yeah so I'm so I'm so far past making conversations about race palatable because it's not worked. Oh, and I thought thank it would. You. I thought like being able to draw conclusions and like make it make sense. No, I just and make it say pretty. It how it is yeah, and yeah. hope that somebody fill in the blanks in the way that they need to. Because, like you mentioned in a couple episodes ago, we don't know what it's like to be white and to experience racism as something that's conceptual yeah you know like not to experience to see racism as a concept Mm. as like a crazy thing that happens so in the same way that i've now come to the conclusion that i don't have the right words to teach people about race i just have to say how you feel yeah and hope that you fill in the blanks where you need extra understanding yeah no absolutely and something i've Something I've been I've been realizing too, I guess because it's until all of this happened, it's really we haven't been talking about black women's labor, especially when it comes to like black liberation movements, just how underpaid and overlooked black women have been like there's so many just black women on Twitter, on Instagram, just on social media doing the work, doing all this education and they're broke, just completely and utterly broke like all these people that I thought you know we're doing fine we're doing well are like barely able to afford rent and yet they're literally like leading movements and it's like really got me thinking so much about how which goes back to your point of like the audacity of all these publications to reach out to us without even like offering compensation for our labor and just the entitlement that the world feels towards black women's labor is just fascinating to me. And it's also why, like, I recently also just started a Patreon because it's like, why am I, like, why am I broke when I add so much intellectual value to the world? Like, what is, why are so many of us black women just not getting paid for our break? And it's like, we've had to suffer so much to be able to know so much. And then to still die broke, nah, it's just not, it's just not it. It's not it. it. Yeah, I know there's been all these stories. There's been all these stories about like, all these publications like Complex and OK Player and like, about how they've just Mm. been mistreating black women. Yeah, like the black Mm -hmm, women that mm -hmm. work for them. Pay black women, fam. Pay black women for their labor. We've really normalized yeah. black slavery just far too much. So yeah, if you're black and listening, start charging. No, literally. Or like me, because I feel like I'm in a weird position where I just can't be as reckless as I'd like to be. Um, what do you so mean? I just, if you message me and, well, I just feel like, recklessness for me is meant with just more conversations like everybody Mm. how do i explain it if i tell people don't message me like let's say i posted a a picture of some sunscreen i say i like this sunscreen don't message me ask me about sunscreen 
Who will message me? A hundred people. <laughs> thinking I was talking to everybody but them. Yeah. I know you don't. I know you said don't message, but I know you said not to message, but hey, I was hoping, but. And so it's one of those conversations where I'm kind of like, I can't police all these people who just don't care. So I just have to ignore or tell people like, don't ask me shit. And then mm. just leave it. Because it's one of those things where even if somebody paid me, like PayPal donated me to like $10 to tell them about white supremacy, it's not enough money. It literally, there's <laughs> it's not, not enough. Yeah, yeah. It, like, it's not enough. This is so not enough. I'm yeah. also setting myself up by saying like, why would you ask for something that's not going to compensate you in the way that you need? Ooh. Oh my goodness. You know what we need to fucking talk about? What? We need to talk about these <laughs> these things people are doing instead of abolishing white supremacy like the Texans saying like I'm we're done. no gonna call master bedrooms like ah new episode we gotta stop who asked you like let's just continue I'll just split this in half like I'll just split this okay. episode in half great alright so this is what I want to talk about mm. so recently I've been having a thought um, about like you, like we've said before, compensation for sharing traumatic stories. Yeah, I feel like when you're in a position um, of influence, if you have, uh, if you're a public, uh, what do you call these people? Public, public figure, personality, public figure. Uh, people automatically think they have access to your story because that's a big part yeah. of building a personal brand, telling a story to as many people as possible. But it gets to a point in time when the story has been told, and what, and the process. And the process becomes quite extractive in nature. Where people aren't really interested in the story, they're interested in the clicks that your story will drive their website, you know? And so I, I got to the point in my career where I don't just tell my story for funsies. I don't speak about my experiences for free or for funsies unless I really believe that the person who's asking is asking from a place that's going to really benefit people. So like if a black person business is asking me to speak about how to business tips sure I can tell that story because I can imagine there'll be people in your audience who are going to actually value this if an Australian like fucking adolescent news site is saying speak about racism I'm not doing it because like the brunt the like the levels of abuse I'll have to like endure just for even like writing this article it's not worthwhile to me and so I started thinking about um my friend (laughs) my friend moved to uh Tasmania a couple years ago for like this really great job and she ended up buying a house and everything there and through her moving she was sharing like Instagram stories of her experience of um like living in Tasmania because it's not a place that like Australians really like regard as like a place you want to live. It's not a Melbourne or Sydney. It's a bit off the side. And so she would be showing all these cool experiences and people would be like, fuck, I need advice on where to stay. I need advice on where to go and whatever. Just kind of like mining her for information they were never going to use, you know, just asking questions for questions day. So she was telling me, like I started telling people that I charge for insight. And they stopped asking because suddenly it wasn't worth their time anymore. It wasn't worth their money. And therefore they weren't placing a value on the information I was giving to them previously. It was just like all for shits and giggles. So she made a joke saying that I could imagine if you did the same, if you charge people to ask you questions about where you bought things, like a fucking finder's fee, they would stop asking because it's not that important. Like, do you really need to know where the cardigan is from? Do you need a cardigan that badly? Do you really need to know how I've experienced racism? Like, is it really something you have to know for your day to go about? But then I was saying, like, if I started asking for donations, if I was like, you know what, $10 
and I will tell you about white supremacy. I'll break it down. $10 and I'll tell you about how, you know, uh, what misogynoir is and how it manifests specifically in black women. $10 is not enough because these conversations are never um, transactional in a way that's simple. It requires levels of like holding space and empathy and tact. And I just don't care to hold that space for people who don't hold it for me because the, the nature of asking someone to share their trauma for you for education purposes, for study is fucking, it's so slack. Like it's so, it's really mean because I can imagine in a lot of other instances, you create boundaries. Like there are some things you don't ask because it's inappropriate. If you knew an acquaintance who just left a mental hospital, would you start asking about the food? No, you wouldn't because suddenly that's, it's too, it's too close. It's inappropriate. But suddenly when it's asking people to share their trauma of just existing in a black body, it's up for grabs. This one is a, this one's an easy chit chat. We can talk about that and it's not cool. So I was thinking like, yeah, even if I were to ask for donations, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do it at all. So providing infrastructure for people to ask me, knowing that I don't want to engage in that behavior just isn't worth it. But it made me think about the intention of people asking and how like, you know, it's, it's, if we lead with love and we assume that everybody has the right intention and they're trying to educate themselves um, to do better, then I can understand why you'd want to ask somebody who's created an open platform about, you know, quite heavy topics. But the point of the matter is people, when we're talking about race, it's been very clear what needs to be done. Abolish white supremacy. So you've seen the table. Look at the table and see what you need to do. I don't understand why we need to go to different blacks to say, but what do you need? What does this black need? What does that black need? Because you haven't even looked at the greater picture and see what you're capable of providing. If you ask me what I need and I say a million dollars, you don't have it for me. Suddenly you're, <laughs> you're doubling down on my trauma. Because suddenly you created a space for me to share and you don't have what I need. I often think that like when I'm sharing, like when we share these traumatic stories, it gets to a point when it's so easy to start to like to root your identity in trauma. Because like if you need to talk about racism and how you've experienced it five times a day, that's suddenly my identity. Yeah. Like, experience yeah. I don't yeah. want that. I'm also <laughs> so, like, very conscious of not, yeah, of not being that person. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, I don't want to provide a, a safe haven to have to, you know, share those conversations. But also, like, what needs to be done is clear. You just don't want to do it. And all this, like, let me reach out to this individual. It's stalling. You're stalling. You're stalling. <laughs> do what needs to be done. <laughs> but you're just stalling to and get to I'm the seeing- point where you accept that you just don't want to do it. And this stalling it gets internalized as trying. No, but what happened was I was going to abolish white supremacy by no longer using the N word and, you know, no longer um, hiring or uh, like checking my microaggressions when I'm hiring people for certain roles. But instead of doing that, I went and asked Flex and Bobo about their personal experience. So I wanted to no, you don't need to do any of that. (laughs) It's very clear. Yeah. We told you what we want. We're abolishing white supremacy and also reparations and land ownership and that's it like that's it and so like i said in the other episode like beyonce said we're not going to ask you for any more when you can't even do bare minimum minimum and this is what brings me to today's episode i saw a a meme not Mm. a meme sorry it's not a meme at all it was a tweet (laughs) that said that let me fucking find it because this pissed me off 
Um, okay. So, Texas Realtors, it's a news headline, by the way. Texas Realtors will stop using the word master to describe bedrooms. I know, I and saw that. And the context of that is that, like, you know, master is where, like, the slave master would sleep and they would be raping black women yep. to make mixed babies. Yeah. All that good shit. You know what I mean? So that's where the term master came from. And so, you know, Texas's history is quite intertwined with slavery. Absolutely. Um, being the home of plantations. So, you know, this might seem like a big step. But as Bobo said, let's not look for symbols of progress instead of actual progress. This is not what people are asking for. Not at Nobody's all. Nobody's asking <laughs> you to change the name of what we refer to master bedrooms as. It's not important. In the same way that I'm looking at, you know, um, like the Simpsons came through, right? And they were like... um, Producers for The Simpsons said that they will only be using black actors to voice black characters and using people of the right ethnicity group to voice the matching ethnicity group of the character. Why does it take 20 years to get to that point? Literally. What were you not thinking about up until this point that you thought that was just fine? And, like, the reason why I get so frustrated is because there's been an uproar in media for years about how it's inappropriate for straight people to play homosexual characters yeah or for yeah. Charlize Theron to keep playing every fucking ethnicity but when it came to voice acting you were like you know what let me a white guy just voice the character of Apu because you know doing an Indian accent is funny but now in your bid to show solidarity like this is this is what we're gonna put our hand up and make a change can you imagine fuck that shit like it's not the priority Let's right now because we're your so purse. far from that hitting a spot where it matters like, yes, it's peanuts and it's great. We'll take the peanuts, but you're not getting pats on the back. You're not getting claps for peanuts because it's the fact that it took like pretty much a civil rights movement in 2020 for you to acknowledge that it could be inappropriate for a white person to voice stereotypically, in quotes, black characters. So you're telling me that that wouldn't have happened unless we had a civil rights movement. Not at all. It literally it Isn't wouldn't. That crazy? <laughs> like, but that's also how you know they've like, never cared and they still don't care. They just will never just, care. You don't care. You don't care. And like these these little like fucking breadcrumbs and okay, it's 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 multi like my friend More Blessing said it best. She said like you keep moving the goalposts of what is considered to be liberation and change. Like we already said Create infrastructure that supports black people. Give land titles back. Reparations. You know, like, these are all things that are that can be done. But, like, instead of just going from here to there, now we're changing the name, we're changing how we refer to master bedrooms. We're, you know, letting black people voice black actors. Yeah, we should have been doing that. So, like, why is this the step that needs to happen before the rest happens? This feels like a red herring. You know, like grinder, in the midst of like the black tile days, is how I'm referring to it. <laughs> in the midst of black tile days, grinder jumped on to make a statement that said that they currently have a um like a a filter in the premium app that lets you filter your your prospective matches by race. To like you know white black hispanic whatever um and then like you know due to black lives matter they're going to take away that filter right 
Which is like, who's asking for that? Like, many have said they use that filter so they can date within their race, within their ethnicity, so they can find partners who are actually going to be interested in dating them and not have to sift through a bunch of people who are racist, you know? It's fine. But why why in the midst of black tile days are you going to now pledge your allegiance to then not remove the fucking filter? I just... Who is that for? Who? It's all, it's it all a performance. It just gets to a point where you're kind of like, let's, can we just focus on what we- There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. We need to be focusing on because again, when we when we look for these symbols of progress, we lose momentum. We start to feel silenced because we're kind of like, well, can we complain when people are doing so much? Doing so much for who? This doesn't change my day-to-day, referring to a master bedroom as a main bedroom. This doesn't change my livelihood. But you, you see it now. Having someone get fired for voicing a black character doesn't change my livelihood. Oh, it's listen, listen. But <laughs> what I'm noticing that's happening right now, remember the scramble for Africa that happened in, like, the 1880s? I'm seeing the scramble for Africa happen in the corporate world now, like, in the business world, I'm seeing how corporations are scrambling for black and African talent to make themselves seem progressive and to make themselves seem like they're not racist. Like, did you see the collaboration that Kanye West is doing with Gap? With Gap. (laughs) So Kanye and Gap basically hired this Nigerian-British designer by the name of Moalola Oganlesi. I'm probably destroying her name probably butchering it but basically so she'll be the design the creative director of Kanye's Yeezy and Gap collab and I just knew this was going to happen like every single brand is going to scramble for their first black face it's going to be the first black on the cover of whatever magazine it's going to be the first black to be black woman to be the first Louis Vuitton cover girl like everyone is gonna scramble for a black face in the hopes that we'll settle for that symbol of progress and this is why i'm so against this idea that like being the first black is a symbol of success because it's really not and this is like one of our downfalls as black people that we really just settle for scraps like there's nothing to celebrate about a black person being the first to be accepted into a white supremacist institution that barely even sees them as human. Like there's, it, it's, if anything, it's self-betrayal. Like we need to stop settling for the scraps of white validation when we can and should demand for reparations, for liberation, and to be left the fuck alone. Like it's disgusting. And it's, and it's definitely worthwhile um, clarifying because Bobo said it before. Everyone, just follow Bobo because she stays educating us. But when we reference the individual, we're still attacking the system. So this yeah. is no shade to like Mo Lola. Oh we yeah, love, absolutely. Like, we we're love obsessed. Her. 
go get your coin, like show up in these spaces, fuck it up. Like, because we'll, whatever you make, I'm going to buy. I yeah. love it for you. Like, we're there. But we're also, there. this is the kind of ammunition people use to say, well, I don't know why you're complaining. Here's a black person in a position of power. Absolutely. And it's important to study language because to say that someone black is the first in 2020 it's implies disgusting. that it hasn't happened <laughs> Literally. for this many years. Why is that? Because but you're racist. No one's thinking about that. Nobody's thinking about that. And so it's really, this is like, we need to kind of critique the two, these things as separates. Like we can like salute Molala forever because amazing, get your coin. But separate to that, you need to still be on these brands backs because like you don't get a pat on the back for elevating one black person. Cause then what happens is you become the black that everybody uses. Like in Australia, right? For Australian listeners, how many black people do you know who are who are public figures? Right? Is it not the same black girl in every beauty campaign? Me. Is it not the same black girl in every music campaign? TK. Like <laughs> stretch it out. And so you start to wonder, like, yes, it looks like representation when you use the same black faces, but how many more can you name? Yeah, it's not I representation. I know you won't struggle to name more than you can name 10 white people in music, 10 white Australians, 10 white Australians in fashion. You could do it. And that's fine. And it's perfect. But we can't be padding backs until it's like, this is, this is the thing that I was noticing when all those CEOs were stepping down during the black tile day. We've had the Bon, bon Appetit guy step down, mm. fucking um, Man Repeller, uh, Leandra stepped down. Jen Gotch and Bando stepped Wait, down. Wait, Leandra stepped down? Like, uh-huh. I didn't know why. What was her reason? Babes. I thought she was basically, the queen of she... the liberal whites. So what, what happened? Mm. Well, basically that she was complicit in, um, you know, not not providing a space that was comfortable for black people. They oh, the Manipella made a lot of pledges to how they would help, um, like, elevate black people um, during the height of, like, the Black Tile Movement Day. And failed to disclose that when COVID started um, around March, the first people they fired was all their black staff. Oh, th- why am I not surprised at Coincidence? all? Like, not surprised at <laughs> Coincidence? all. Coincidence? I don't know. So it was, you know, so when, when they were making pledges about what they do for black people, everyone's like, well, what about the black people that you fired? Like, shouldn't you start with those? If you have mm. all this money and all this funding to elevate the random blacks that you suddenly feel so tied to and you're pledging your allegiance for go scoop the blacks you drop so quickly yeah where where they at where and this this is why it's so important for us as black people to stop aspiring for a seat at the table it is not our table it will never be our table they do not want us there and their table is raggedy anyway like there is no seat at the table for us we must stop aspiring to be the first black at the table like it is nothing but coonery to aspire to be the first to aspire to be validate validated by an institution that sees you as a monkey. It's just coonery. Like we just don't need the table. We can create our own. Period. And it's tricky because there really are levels to this shit. But the the thing that I found really interesting is that throughout the last three or four weeks, all 
all the ways people are stretching themselves left, right, and center to make reparations, but I'm missing the point. When CEOs step down, right, especially when it's not prompted by the people who are employed by them, Mm. I wonder if you're the one who's leaving, won't you just get replaced by somebody just like you from the board? Yeah, absolutely. I don't understand. Wouldn't it be more effective to stay where you are, take a pay cut, maybe do something like that, but also utilize the time that you now have to make those changes and see them through. Because what doesn't make sense to me is if I'm the CEO of McDonald's and I get called out for putting all the blacks in the back cooking and doing stock and all the whites in the front and I say, you know what, I'm sorry, I quit. Mm. Well, who's going to make sure that when the new CEO comes through, we see that change through? And so it's like I'm not defending CEOs like who are quitting because whatever, like if you want to quit, that's your business. But also like, is are we missing the point? Like who's asking for this? Yeah. Who asked yeah. for this? <laughs> like I don't, I really don't think that this is what people are asking for. And like I said, like I don't expect people to, you know, talk to each individual black that roams the earth and see what works best for them. But collectively, if you're going to make such, um, such huge decisions, um, and such grave decisions, can you at least make sure your sacrifice is worth it? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Because who's who's going to lead the charge when you leave? Because who's taking that on? And so, like, we... I, I don't know if I was speaking to you about it um, on or off the episode, but when Alexis, um, Serena's husband, quit, he was, like, one of the very first to do it. And he's... Um, his justification for quitting or not being CEO was that he wanted to like create room and space for, you know, a person of color to step into that, step into that role, which on surface level, it's amazing. But what's going to happen is that like you get They'll someone who steps coon. into that role. It'll be Diddy. Yeah. The cooniest <laughs> coon. Who, yeah. Who also is an agent for white supremacy. Literally. And we've all been there. You know, we've, we currently still are there. Or you get somebody who might be, you know, an agent for change, but now is penalized for not owning the spot, for having the spot given to them. So suddenly they're not good enough. You know, it's all these layers that we have to think about that I think get missed when we rush to show that we're not the bad guy. Newsflash, we're all the bad guy. And I think that's not what people are getting. Like just some of you hoes are worse. (laughs) Some of you guys are killing people, but the rest of us are out here just upholding standards that are actually to our detriment. So it's like, mm, I don't, it, like the, 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 um, what I'm seeing a lot in my, in my emails is everybody saying a very, like brands, businesses, people who want to work, work with me or get me to work with them in some capacity are all saying a variation of the same thing. We're committed to uplifting and upholding BIPOC voices. How? Like, by asking yeah. me to write an article? <laughs> for free, by That's the your way. Commitment? For free. For free. For free? That's your commitment. No, that's literally white brands. They're like, we're committed to uplifting black voices by enslaving more black people. That's that's literally... <laughs> That's literally the, just... the best they can do. And, you know, I know already we've seen it. The way people were, like, breaking their back to be like, I'm an ally. 
I love blacks. <laughs> Let me show you on my feed how much I love the blacks. And then not a mere two weeks later, not one thing. There's not one. And it's like, I'm not, do you know what I'm, the thing that I'm asking for, right? Scratch that. I'm not even asking for anything. But when you're given feedback about your behavior, let's say you're a fashion brand who's been called out for not using enough black models on your Instagram. Yeah. Let's say that. Mm. Um, let's say you start injecting only black faces. Some might say, great, we're getting representation. I'm saying, Fuck representation. if you already had access to these black faces, why does it take a civil rights movement for you to start using them? Are you telling me that you were purposely withholding these black faces until you were pushed to do so? This reminds me of that brand, this fast fashion brand called Opoly. And they're huge. They're like, look, they're one of the big ones or whatever, but they were called out a, a couple months ago for about their, uh, sorry, how do I phrase this? A couple of months ago, they were called out about the lack of inclusive, inclusivity or representation on their Instagram feed. And how it's just skinny white girls. Show some facts, show some blacks, get into it. So what they did in a response is make a separate Instagram page called Opoly Inclusive. I'm like, you've just made it worse. Huh? Like, so you're going to other so you the people segregate. you claim to be including. Like, what? And the whole point, like, people aren't pressed to be put on an Instagram page so they feel good about themselves. It's to increase their reach. It's to hopefully gain new followers. Now, as of today, Opoly has 3.3 million followers. So don't tell me you're going to make a whole new... And when this was like popping off, that page only had 3,000 followers. That's not a come up (laughs) to be put on an inclusive page that's new, that has 3,000 followers. What they want is to be elevated and amplified in and amongst what you're already doing, to not be othered anymore. And this is what frustrates me, is that the thinking just isn't there at all, not even a little bit. And I had somebody... This is what we've been saying. last time when someone's like... It feels like we can't do anything right. You're not even trying. That's literally... Like, use your brain. (laughs) Use your fucking brain. We're just not (laughs) rewarding people for scraps. Like, I'm I'm over-rewarding scraps. Like, I'm actually... But here's... I think the hard pill to swallow... First is that representation has and will always be a scam. Like, fuck representation. Like, why did we ever settle for that? But the hard pill to swallow is that there will never be black liberation in white spaces. The fight to be included in white spaces will always be futile because they will never see us as human. Like blackness is by definition subhuman. Like the definition of blackness as constructed and created and perpetuated by whiteness is subhuman. Like to be black in the white gaze is synonymous to be other. So there will never ever be equality, there will never be equity, and there will never be liberation in white spaces. This idea of integration, it will simply never work. We literally have to create our own spaces. I feel like black people and white people are in a toxic relationship, which isn't to say that like we need to go and like literally separate physically, But we just, there's no reason 
why if we're not abolishing the concept of whiteness as an institutional and systemic structure there is no reason why black people should be expected to integrate into this system like it's just a futile exercise to try and ask for representation in a space that doesn't even see you as human to try and ask for inclusion in a space that doesn't even see you as human and i know that like all the white people listening right now are like but i see white people as human No, but you don't. Like, I know you want to, but you truly don't. And it's not your fault. It's by cultural design. So it's just as black people, we will save ourselves so much headache by dismantling the need for validation and inclusion and representation and just setting out and doing our own thing outside of the constructs of whiteness. And that also doesn't include all black people. Like, not all... like half of the black people we know it's too late for them it's just they're also just tools of white supremacy like black people who aren't interested in cooning the most we can ever do for ourselves is isolationism is to just create our own spaces and go from there we don't need to be married to whiteness we can just break up and be friends and be civil and be cordial but it doesn't need to be a marriage like for what like the idea of integration is just not sustainable because an effective society requires shared morality and it's never going to happen under capitalism it's not possible and it's it's funny because at one point integration was the goalpost because it seemed too hard and impossible because if it was just easy to get black actors in mainstream films we would have done that right Mm. if it was just easy to integrate black models into your feed we would have just done that it must be too difficult and therefore if we can work towards that that would be amazing so come to realize after a, a teensy bit of pressure suddenly you've got blacks ready to go you know, you've got them in your, your campaigns, you've got them in your writing, you've got them in your newsroom. Yes, you just hired them, but you found them. And it took Facts. what? Yeah. You know, yeah. so that to me, it just, it kind of rubs me the wrong way because what were people breaking their backs so hard for before? Why did <laughs> it need to be so hard yeah. if honestly, through fear of being called out, you've suddenly adjusted very quickly? And especially when I'm when I'm looking at brands, like big brands and corporations, you can't do shit overnight like a small business. You know, like, oh, for, for, or so I, so I thought. I thought you had your campaign images ready to go, you know. But mm. within today and tomorrow, suddenly your feed is all blacks. Where did they come from? So you were able to scramble, but only because there was incentive. Because for a short, for even now, there is incentive to be seen as inclusive. There was an incentive before. Yeah. You want to be seen as a black brand, but now people want to see blacks on your feed. What's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the same for plus size stuff. I'm trying to get some cute, some cute clothes. Honestly, you know uh, it's just... But, um, it's, it's all interesting. And again, I was talking to um my friend More Blessing about this, and I feel like people think this conversation about race has an expiry date. Oh, Once, no, I baby. Mean, knowing that within our lifetime, we're not going to get... And when I say we, I mean, black people aren't going to get the level of reparations they want or deserve. What happens for the other minorities that have been fucked over? Because they're going to assemble as well. 
they're going to ask from you what what is been asked from you right now. You're going to have to show. You're going to have to come to terms with the fact that you haven't been the best ally to your Asian friends. That's coming. We got a taste for it, you know, when coronavirus was at its peak and people just discovered that xenophobia is a real thing. But like, again, minorities of of every color and creed, your time is coming. <laughs> and I feel like if you're if you're a white person on the other end who's kind of like, oh, <laughs> ah, exactly. <laughs> it's not stopping. And the closer you you are able to kind of critically think your behavior, your expectations, um. Yeah, your behavior, but not only, yeah, the sooner you're able to critique your behavior, but also your, the outcome of being good or doing good. And when you realize there's no like congratulations, that's going to be really hard because we're so used to being affirmed for doing the right thing. Right. But in the conversation of racism, like you are going to be hard pressed to find somebody who's going to be thankful for you not being racist. It's, we're so far past that. And so, yes, we're going to still be asking representation and reparations and all of that, but it's we're not going to, like, kiss the feet or the ground that you walk on afterwards. It'll be like, thank you, next. <laughs> we're just ticking... We're ticking things off a list at this point. And honestly, referring to a master bedroom as a main bedroom is not on the list, but, you know, thank you for wasting your own time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the voicing of the, the actors, sure. I mean, we can add it to the list, but you still got a ton of other shit on this side that you got to get to. Wow, I'm Doing screaming. extra work doesn't absolve you of the work that needs to be done. So whether or not you do the extra work, the extracurricular, you get straight to what needs to be done. She said what Either she way, said. you'll be working. <laughs> <laughs> Either way. Well, I mean, and It yeah, makes me laugh. Honestly, I'm also just so tired of debating about race. Like, can we get over the race thing and get to the class war? Like, I feel like debates about race are so redundant at this point. Like, I can't believe we're still here. I went to a protest some weeks back. And of course, it got wild and the NYPD came and, and, and. And I was just telling the story to my mom. And she was like, oh, yeah, no, I used used to go through the same thing. And I'm like, wow, you lived through apartheid. And now I'm born and I'm still the experience is still the same. Like. The black experience is so stagnant. It's incredible. Nothing changes at all. That's grim, but here we are. (laughs) I mean, I just think there are so many ways that we can acknowledge the advancement of specific black people because, yes, like there are some black people who've been able to advance and like profit and whatever. It's all cute and dandy. But the advancement of the one hasn't elevated the many like it does in other racial groups. You know, like, it really is rampant individualism. Like, because I've come up, that didn't help the rest of you. <laughs> like, <laughs> they still think you're a jungle animal, sis. <laughs> they think I'm a reformed, domesticated jungle animal. It's the same shit, but, like, different, <laughs> different yeah. viewpoints. So, <laughs> so it's, um, it's, like, operating with a dual mindset of been, being able to acknowledge when things are enjoyable and maybe even beneficial on a small scale. But there's still so much room to critique because, mm. like, we're not even close to scratching the surface of what needs to happen. Not I mean, we're close. still debating if racism, racism is even real. Can you so, imagine? Like, huh? <laughs> people are getting lynched, and, like, in the same, literally hanging from trees, lit- and they're still People debating. are literally being hung from trees. <laughs> and in the same way, somebody will challenge me and say, 
oh, you know, but Oprah, but Beyonce, but whatever. Like, if you still think that the advancement of five black people, maybe there are like 50 black celebrities that are like popping for every like 100,000 whites. But maybe that's your point of view. If you're still debating whether or not, um, like the experience of blackness versus whiteness is comparable. And if you don't see, like if somebody posts a job description and says no blacks and you try and justify it, we're not even on the same page. <laughs> like, and so I'm not rushing to try and be under, like, I think for a little while there, I was like, let's just make people understand quickly. It's like, no, because we had a whole civil rights movement in the sixties. Like you've seen the same pictures I've seen. You've seen, I don't have some, some secret vault of history that shows me what you don't see. I showed you the fucking like human zoos with black children in them. I saw, <laughs> showed you the fucking human zoos with adult black women. We showed you the torture devices used to mutilate black people. We showed you all of these things. Like if you, if you don't see it and don't get it and you're that person in my day, I'm trying to be like, well, I don't understand like why we can't say the N word. Then like I've done all I can do. Yeah. And the sooner I can fuck off to the farm, live on acres, <laughs> like have stuff, <laughs> the better. Literally. Because I'm not doing this fucking like martyr stuff. This is martyrdom. Explaining race to non-black people is martyrdom. Oh no, it literally I I have a friend that I'm actually thinking of unfriending. He's a white guy and so you know how at the beginning of this episode I was talking about how like I've just had such a shit month. So, he had called me to be like, "Oh, how are you doing?" and I was like, "Yeah, no, I'm doing terribly." And I was explaining to him like being black is an extreme sport. And being a black woman is literally... I was explaining to him Afro-pessimism. And for anyone who doesn't know what Afro-pessimism is, I suggest Googling it. It's really interesting. I was just explaining to him that, like, being a black woman is in so many ways just a condemnation to misery because we're fighting so many wars at the same time. And he was like, yeah, but women of all races are miserable. And that's the last time I've ever spoken to him about it because I'm just so tired mm. of white people refusing to accept the reality that is Afro-pessimism. Like, I think something I was thinking about today is that in order for white people to be able to accept the true reality of the black experience, they first have to reconcile the true reality of whiteness within themselves, which is that whiteness is inherently violent and that they are a byproduct of that violence. Like, I think that's a really hard pill to swallow for white people because whiteness has a moral value attached to it that blackness doesn't. And until white people are able to reconcile their whiteness, they'll never be able to understand our blackness. But they can't reconcile their whiteness because the moral value attached to it is such a hard pill to swallow. And everyone is has deluded themselves into thinking they're a good person. So there's the inherent paradox. And Couldn't the be me. Couldn't be me. <laughs> <laughs> you can't come for my wig. I already said I'm a bad bitch but- and I meant it. <laughs> like fam, the human condition, even without whiteness, is dissatisfaction. Add on the added layer of whiteness and it's like, what is whiteness? That's another thing. Like we need to center whiteness more in conversations 
about race and history. Have you noticed that like when we talk about history, it's always like, oh, the black people freed themselves from slavery. And it's not like the white people decided to be less psychopathic. Like white people decided <laughs> to be less violent. Like if if we yeah. just change the language around like historical racial movements, it would be so much easier for white people to look at whiteness for what it truly is. There's so many layers, fam. There's so many layers. And the layers will be discussed. You know what we need to talk about in another episode? Yeah. Heteropessimism. I don't know, I haven't haven't talked about it before, but basically I was reading a tweet about it a few weeks ago, maybe months now, and basically saying how it's really embarrassing to hear hetero people lament being heterosexual like it's it's become a personal trend type. yeah like and the way and i know it started because at the start of covid when everyone had to work from home or start to distance not everybody but you know what i'm saying when it was yeah. encouraged to stay at home to stay safe um people were like lamenting the relationship between their partners and being like oh my god i have to like spend a whole day with my husband and i hate him like i want to kill myself blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And everyone's like, why is so much, like, why are heterosexuals like this? Like, <laughs> do you just, like, why do you hate your partners and, like, think that's, like, a personality trait? What is up with that? Who, like, where does this self, because the level of, like, self-hatred Absolutely. that's, like, encouraged between heteros. Absolutely, yeah. Anyway, we'll discuss it in a later a later episode, but I feel that was cathartic. That was hot. It was. <laughs> I really loved this episode. I think this is going to be... <laughs> I'm going to close my DMs the day we release this one because I know <laughs> it's it's going to be a lot. Um, white people, don't take this personally, okay? Separate your whiteness from the institution of whiteness when you're listening to conversations about race. Makes it a lot easier to understand the black experience. Uh, yeah, the same thoughts. way when I hear people hurling abuse about black people, I separate myself. It's not my problem. Yeah, no, literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally. Wow, that would that would we might ha- we might actually end racism in at least like ten years if white mm. people didn't take whiteness personally. Like if they like understood that like, oh, this is a construct that I was born into and not that like a construct I created. Yeah, I mean, learn some coping mechanisms. How do you think black people do it? Yeah, <laughs> like, no, literally. You have to really start to separate your your yourself from the way blackness is perceived and just get on with it. Facts. Like, literal facts. But like Bobo said, my DMs are close to everyone. Like, I'm honestly not having... I'm Like, I like... I'd much prefer a DM from a black person, but I'm also not trying to have conversations about race, period. Like, yeah, not they, for now. A bit redundant. I'll open it back up to race conversations for black people when I'm ready to do it. But it's honestly like, it's the same shit on my end. Like how to talk to white people about race. <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore. And like, it's so funny because if you met, if you were to like um, draw parallels between our first episodes about race and now, I was so much more open to it. And you all broke me down. <laughs> You broke me down. I was rooting what for if they you. Did I said, Bobo, <laughs> let's have these shitty chats. Let's keep it open. Let's, you know, use the right language. Let's make sure everyone feels as though they're being... No, I tried. <laughs> and you broke me down. So the DMs about race are close to everyone. I'm not doing it. What did they do I'll to you? i speak to Bobo about race and my boyfriend. That's it. <laughs> no, literally, yeah. It is the height of exhaustion. It truly... 
truly is, especially when white people will gaslight you and be like, no, but I'm suffering too. After yeah. that, nah. Mm-mm. Just not, we're just not Onto doing it. On to bigger and better things. Truly, <laughs> truly. <laughs> Come talk to me when we're not getting excited about voice actors getting fired and like, you know, grinder making promises they're not fulfilling. Like, let's, when shit, mm, let's, no. Yeah. When we're opening our purses, when, let's let's discuss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. When instrumental change happens, when change so grandiose that we think it's fake happens, that's when I'm logging back on. <laughs> but now I'm just roasting everybody's poor attempts to be allies. That's what I'm spending my time doing. Honestly, that's so productive. Like it, it really is. I love it. <laughs> so thank you guys for listening. Um, I'm gonna split this episode into two. Yeah. So it's gonna start off really chaotic. Follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter as Bobo and Flex on all the platforms. Let's continue this conversation and we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.